0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Jerry Lawler Show on Podcast One. I am the still-somewhat-losing-my-voice Sean Reedy. Uh, <laughs> apologize for missing the show last week as I uh, was a little sick, as you can still hear right now. But, King, we are back this week, and I need you to carry me like I'm a rookie headlining the Mid-South Coliseum with you or something.
1: Don't worry, Sean. Just load the wagon, and I'll pull the load. Tell, go ahead and tell the truth. I asked you when you called me last week and told me that you were under the weather, I asked you, did you have the uh, coronavirus or anything like that? That wasn't the case, right?
0: They, I went to the emergency clinic twice, and they did not diagnose me with that. I don't know if I was properly tested for that. I'm, I'm getting a little nervous, but I don't think I do. I think it hits <laughs> faster than this.
1: And uh, you know what is is crazy about this thing? When, when you look at it, I just saw a news report, I guess yesterday or something, about the fact that... Um, you know they're going so they're going crazy over this. I mean, whether there's like twelve cases of it um so far in the United States, but at the same token, the influenza virus that we everybody just—I mean—they don't think it's that big a deal now. You know, I mean, it ha- it's here all the time. The flu virus that we have in the United States, and there's something like I, I, I millions of people that. are are affected with that in the united states and like something like eighty thousand people have died from the flu and uh but they you know nobody here makes a big deal out of it and it's a similar it's a very similar type virus uh than what this coronavirus is really that this i guess they and and when you really think about it they say well there's no cure for the the coronavirus in reality there's there's really no cure for the flu it i mean it just has to run its course and uh, so you know it's a, it's a, i guess it's it may be just china's version of what we've had for years over here with the flu
0: yeah the flu just doesn't get as many uh, website clicks or newspapers sold as a new you know exotic virus that's taking down the world yeah just an
1: H- well, anyway, I'm glad, glad to have you back, and I'm glad that you're doing better, um, and so just you don't have to talk a lot and, and try to not breathe into your microphone where I'll get it or anything like that.
0: I, <laughs> I don't do be my best, to
1: do that, do we?
0: but uh, we have to talk about the fact that we had some amazing timing two weeks ago with the guest that we chose. Um, he was not someone who... Drew McIntyre. Yes, Drew McIntyre, who I don't you know, I don't really remember seeing a lot of people predicting him winning the Royal Rumble, but first he eliminates Brock after Brock had eliminated 13 straight people and taken up like a half hour of the match, and then Drew goes on and wins it and challenges Brock at Mania, which is a match that we talked about, how we thought it would be a great match, but I had no idea it was coming this quick on this big of a stage.
1: No, you and I both, neither one of us knew it, and... Uh... I don't think Drew knew it either, but it was it was certainly good to have him on, and, and it was uh, really cool to see what a personable young man he was. And and I've talked to him since, and saw some things, uh, some interviews that he's made since we had him on the uh, podcast, and since he won the Royal Rumble match. And he's just, I mean, he said it's like the first time since he's been in the business that he's really had a chance to be himself and and you know we talked about that here on the on the podcast recently as well that uh uh with the new uh the new direction so to speak of raw now that the, that the um you know the talent are going to get to be less uh, oh gosh i don't know have to be uh produced as much as they were in the past, and they're going to get to, you know, like I said, like a Drew said, be himself more, you know, to cut his own promos and and say what he feels like saying, <clears throat> rather than to have everything written for him or or, or all of his interviews produced. So, um, and that is uh, that I think has given a Drew a chance to really, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say come out of a shell, but I mean, he seems to be a, a more confident. And I mean, he was always he was always a great talent, always great looking uh, physically and and on and on TV and everything. But but now it's just this with this new uh, he he seems revitalized now with this new ability to be himself. And and I I think that it's going to be great. Um, Of course, he he was great in the Royal Rumble match. Shocked a lot of people when he eliminated, uh, of course, when he eliminated Brock Lesnar. And I, I'm really looking forward to the, his and Brock's match at at SummerSlam. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be awesome. I, I'm I'm not yet confident enough to predict a new champion at WrestleMania, but as the weeks go along, as we get closer, uh, you know, well, you know, they say when my, my predictions, I change sides more often than a windshield wiper. So I I could go ahead right now and say that I I am going to predict that Drew McIntyre will win the match at WrestleMania and be the next uh, WWE world champion.
0: Wow. wow. Okay. Okay.
1: That, uh, that, I mean, you know, even, though, even though Brock did come back and give him that big F five, I don't, you know, uh, like Drew said, he, he caught him from behind and, uh, and the match at WrestleMania be a whole different, whole different story. Of course, it's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that weigh into that that figure into that kind of match is the fact that, I mean, you know, being the main event at WrestleMania is old news for for Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's been there and done that many, many times. He's a, a tested veteran on that stage. And it's going to be a new, totally new experience uh, to be featured in the main event at WrestleMania for Drew McIntyre. So uh, there's, there's things that uh, come into play when you're on that grandest stage of them all, as they call it that that you don't always you can't always figure out like you can't write it down on paper as far as what's happened between these two guys in the past because that's and, and when they get in that match at wrestlemania in the main event uh you know kind of almost all bets are off because will will that take away or will that have any effect on drew you know uh you know being in that spotlight or what we'll we'll find out but right now i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on that first limb For WrestleMania and say that I'm predicting Drew McIntyre to beat Brock Lesnar in the main event there.
0: And your predictions have been pretty accurate lately.
1: Well, lately, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the first time ever that both my predictions at at the Royal Rumble matches uh, were correct. I predicted Drew McIntyre and I predicted uh, Charlotte, and I didn't. You know, it wasn't one of those deals where I had to waffle back and forth during during the match. It was just. one of those things where I, I was, I was right for a change. And speaking of Charlotte, speaking of Charlotte and, and who she, you know, she, she left us out, uh, left us hanging there as who she was going to pick, whose championship she was going to go after. Was it going to be Bailey or was it going to be, uh, Becky Lynch? And <clears throat> now all of a sudden she's in this after Monday night and then after last night or after Wednesday night, she's in this uh, predicament with, with Rhea Ripley, who's the NXT Women's Champion, and then Bianca Belair, she inserted herself there. I, I watched uh, NXT, and uh, and I see Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair like a double slamming Charlotte and leaving her lane. I mean, it was such a big deal made out of the fact that Charlotte was going to go uh, and you know make an appearance back on NXT. And and so that's, you know, that's the main reason I was watching, waiting for that. And it was almost an embarrassing situation. If you ask me for Charlotte, you know, not a very uh, not a very um, gosh, I don't even know how you would describe it. (laughs) It was just not good. uh, Her appearance there. I mean, she was literally uh, got to go out there and say just a few words, didn't even actually say who she was going to pick. And next thing you know, they double team her, and she's she's really left lane, and they just whoop, went. To, right, the Segment was over, and went on to something else. Uh, so, I'm hoping that Monday night on Raw, Charlotte will say something. Uh, I'm certain certain she will say something about that. Um, but I was I was kind of embarrassed for her watching NXT last night.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten to watch NXT yet. So they really they didn't tip their hand as far as whether she was gonna challenge for the nxt title it didn't get that far
1: well no no they didn't they didn't do anything uh well i mean if if you don't if you call uh leaving her lane at the hands of the two top female stars on nxt uh tipping their hand i mean to me it looked like i don't i don't know how charlotte would be able to walk away from that and say you know, well, I'm a, I'm going to choose Becky Lynch or I'm going to choose Bailey uh, after after those two uh, pretty much embarrassed her on their own show. So I mean, she's going to have to she's going to have to take care of that situation uh, before she can before she can think about you know Becky Lynch or Bailey. Uh, I would think so. We'll 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 see more about that Monday. I'm sure.
0: And uh, speaking of Charlotte and her having these choices, you got to call. The women's rumble this year at the Royal Rumble. Uh, how'd you enjoy that? There was a lot of NXT talent getting some great exposure. We had uh, Santina, we had Mighty Molly. <laughs> it was an exciting show. Kelly it Kelly really came
1: worked. back. We we yeah, you're right. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was honestly, and I'm saying it because I got to call it. I thought it was the best women's rumble match that I've seen. Um, I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, because I thought it just had the perfect. It was a little bit NXT heavy, uh, but I, I didn't have a problem with that because every one of the NXT um, women really held up their end of the bargain. I mean, every one of them came out there and shined. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like you ever thought, oh, this 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 woman shouldn't be there. You know, I mean, uh, every 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 woman that came out in that match. NXT, SmackDown, Raw, or uh, you know, a veteran coming back. Every one of them uh, made their case. I every, mean, every, every one of them looked like they could have won that that Rumble match. So I, I, I really thought it was good. I thought it was laid out great. There were some so many uh, really good high spots. And like you said, Molly Holly coming back, Mighty Molly, uh, and Santina. I, I love Santina. I wasn't, I was not crazy about the way. Uh, Santina just eliminated himself but and then of course oh my gosh Kelly Kelly coming back and I got a chance to talk to Kelly, Kelly before the match for a long time and, and she's just doing great and, and and from what what I understand from her we may be seeing more of her she may uh, be coming back on a sort of semi-regular basis which would be great I think
0: that would be very that cool, would be very cool. Uh, and then we uh We keep talking about how it's Brock and Drew, but before we get there, uh, Ricochet won that main event on Raw, and they're actually going to be facing each other in three weeks at Super Showdown, which um, I don't think a lot of people are probably giving Ricochet a big chance in the match, but Brock versus the smaller guys. I loved his match with Daniel Bryan. He had a match with AJ Styles that was fantastic. Um, Finn Balor. He knows how to work with guys who are smaller than him and more athletic. And well, I don't know if you say more athletic than Brock Lesnar, but you know, high flying, and uh, well,
1: he better know how because let's face it, the Ricochet is definitely smaller than Brock Lesnar. I don't know if you heard, but Monday night I said, I said Ricochet looks like Brock Lesnar's skeleton. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, hey, Ricochet is a, an unbelievable talented or unbelievably talented guy. Uh, his matches are, I haven't seen him in a bad match yet. Um, and, and, and you're right. I'm sure that he will have a great match with Brock, but I just, I don't know. Uh, I don't, never say never in the WWE, but I, I just can't see. Can you can, I just can't see Ricochet beating Brock and going on and being the, being the champion, uh, that, that Drew McIntyre has to face at WrestleMania.
0: I think Ricochet will put up a very valiant fight and uh, look good, but Brock will get the win and uh, take it to mania. I think that's the money match, him and Drew. I mean, last week we were talking...
1: Here here we are being like Paul Heyman. That's our spoiler, (laughs) Is that our spoiler?
0: (laughs) Well, it's just such an interesting match, Drew and Brock. We were talking about it last week with Drew, and, you know, like I said, I had no idea he was winning the Rumble and that it was coming up, but he's just one of those guys who can stand next to Brock and not really be, you know, overshadowed by his physique. And you can believe that, that Claymore can finish the match. And uh, the great thing is he's really connecting with the audience. I mean, the crowd went crazy when he run, won the rumble, the crowd Monday night seemed really into him. Um, sometimes we have these issues with WWE when they, they push a guy, the crowd kind of resents it or doesn't get behind the person, but they're really behind Drew right now. Then, like you said, he's been showing his personality, and uh, things seem very bright for his future.
1: I think you're right. Um, it's it's like, I mean, let's face it: the WWE has been uh, really searching, uh, and, and rightfully so, searching for that that guy who is going to become the face of the WWE. I mean, there for a while we know it was it was Hulk Hogan, and then it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then it was The Rock, and then it was John Cena, and and since John Cena, you know, there's 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 been that search of the of the one guy that's really gonna be able to step up and 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 let's face it, just become the face of the WWE. When you see that when you see that guy, you say you think oh, WWE. Uh, I know that uh, they've 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 pushed a lot of people in that. In that uh, into that spotlight, but I don't know uh, Roman Reigns as it comes to mind. You know, uh, Roman is uh, of course the big dog, and they featured him and everything. But I don't. You tell me. What do you think that Roman Reigns <clears throat> has reached the? And and it just may be that it ha- hasn't had enough time yet. But do you think Roman Reigns has reached the same? status as The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or even John Cena?
0: No. Um, they haven't really replaced Cena yet, which is tough. I mean, Cena was just a a spectacular performer, and I think when you look at the success he's having in Hollywood now, I don't know if you saw that in the new Faster Furious, he's the, the main bad guy, and he's like Vin Diesel's brother, so he's beginning his takeover of the Hollywood world like Rock. Because he's just so insanely charismatic and well-spoken and has the look, and it's just tough to just manufacture guys like that.
1: Well, you're right, and that's um, <clears throat> that. That's what I'm. Ex- well, I don't say expecting, but that's what I'm. i think that uh, I think that guys like The Rock and John Cena and Stone Cold Steve Austin just and and the Hulk even they just all of a sudden come out of nowhere. You don't, you know, it's not somebody that's groomed for a long period of time. It's just, it just all of a sudden sort of happens. And I'm thinking that this is just me talking now though, I'm thinking that Drew McIntyre may be that kind of, that kind of superstar that just all of a sudden you turn around and you say, wow, there he is. There's the guy.
0: That would be great to see. That's what the industry survives on is that larger than life star that the crowd pays to see and uh i would love to see him do it i love that he's a a fan of the podcast and a big fan of yours and uses your material in in the indie scene and stuff uh seems like a great guy
1: yeah i mean i like you said i i didn't know where we, we either one of us didn't know that much about drew before we had him on the uh on the podcast but once he was on the podcast we learned a whole lot about the guy and uh there's there's not i didn't hear anything that uh about him, from him, or anything that I didn't like. I mean, I just think he's a he's a, he's going to be a special, uh, special kind of guy that's going to benefit everybody that he works with and everybody that he works for uh, for a long, long time. And I, you know, I think that uh, the WWE will realize that as well.
0: So, uh, a person we've been talking about a little bit here in the last few minutes, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, your interview with him was just released uh, on Podcast One. How was it catching up with the rattlesnake?
1: Oh my gosh, so much fun. Uh, and it was cool. Like, you know, we, you and I do this podcast every week and and I'm sitting in my little office here in Memphis. I mean, we've, I've done it from different places. I've done it from a restaurant in the past. And that's the great thing about a podcast. You know, as long as you have your laptop, you can do it from anywhere. I've done it from my condo down in Florida. I've done it from a lot of different places. But uh, last week, and, and as, you, as you and I are doing this right now, I'm just staring at a blank screen on my on my uh, laptop here. But with Steve, we uh, and and I don't know why you you and I probably need to start doing this. It worked well. Um, but with Steve, you know, wherever he was from, I'm sure it was out in California. Uh, you know, his picture popped up on the screen and then my pic, He He was looking at me. So it was literally like we were just sitting there in the same room talking to each other for what turned out to be, he kept saying, uh, you know, man, King, I know I've kept you on here a long time. And, uh, but I just had one more question to ask you and it just kept going on and on like that until finally he said, damn King, we've been on here one hour and 57 minutes. <laughs> so, so, so then after that, we sort of kind of wrapped it up, but yeah, it, it was, it was just a lot of fun talking to Steve. he, the great thing about Steve is he's such a, um, you know, he's such a fan of the old school stuff, and back when he started, and even and especially before he started, uh, and all the Memphis uh, Memphis wrestlers and the Memphis days, he loves to ask ask questions about that. So we we talked, man, I I can't even if you ask me right now, what all did you guys talk about. I I couldn't put my finger on any one thing because we talked about so many different things it just kept going on and on and on and I'm like you I haven't had a chance to listen to the final version I don't know I'm sure it's not 2 hours long I would hope not uh but anyway uh, that's that's how long we were on the phone together talking and this Steve is just a Steve is just a cool guy and the fact that there's oh well I, I'm, I was gonna I was gonna say going back to Hulk Hogan of guys that became really really huge that you knew or that I knew before they were big stars and uh, that haven't changed and I can honestly say you know I I knew Hulk when he very first started in the business he started out came there to Tennessee. Uh, Jerry Jarrett and I co-signed for his first car that he had when he came up from Florida, where he'd been playing in a band and 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 as, as a bass player in a in a in a band and uh, and so you know I knew him when we when he very first started and I can honestly say just being around him recently, he, here's a guy that is is the same. I mean, so much has happened to him, so much success, so much he changed the world, changed the wrestling business, but. I mean, you can still, or at least I can still go and have a conversation with him, and he's he's still Terry Bolay or Boulder, whatever you wanted to call him. But anyway, he's still still Terry, uh, the same guy that he was, you know, when he when he started. And I can say the same thing about Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, here's a guy who became the biggest star, arguably the the biggest star ever in wrestling, um, but. When you when you just sit down and talk to the guy, he's just exactly like he was when he came through Memphis years ago. As stunning Steve Austin, and uh, uh he's just he's just a, such a down to earth guy. And all the success and all the things that he's been through in this business really haven't haven't changed him. Uh And so it was it was just a lot of fun. He's he's still a fan of the business like he was and. and I I know I told him this, you know, he and I are the same in that respect. <clears throat> we're we never we never grew out of being a fan of this of this crazy business that we're in. And so uh, it's just real easy, real easy to talk to him about. I mean, so many uh, different subjects. Came up with, the, you know, the we talked about the new talent today. We talked about the wrestling business as it is today. We talked about the wrestling business that it was in the past and the territory days. And we talked about some different talent that we both uh, knew o- over the years. And it was just a really uh, fun. Like I said, the two hours went by before I even knew it. When he sat there and said, you know, we've been on this thing an hour and 57 minutes. I went, you got to be kidding me. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, um, yeah, you need to download it. And uh, check it out and see. uh, And the one cool thing that he did tell me, he said he will come on our podcast uh, anytime. I mean, you know, and I talk about this. um, I I just am always hesitant to ask people to be on the podcast. I don't know. I feel like I'm imposing on them. And uh, but then when when I asked Drew McIntyre to be on, it was like he said, oh, my God, King, what an honor. I'll be I'll be honored to be on there. I love to listen to your podcast, and I mean, he actually brought it up to me, you know. And then Stone Cold was the same way. He said, "Man, I'll be glad to be on any time. Uh, just just call me, and I'll be glad to be a guest on there."
0: Well, that is a good tease for the future. I think our fans would enjoy hearing from the Rattlesnake. He is such a big Memphis fan. Like I remember, I can't remember if it was on his podcast or Twitter, but he was just talking about just sitting around watching you and Bockwinkle in free time or. You told that yeah. story once about uh, he called you while you were at an graph signing, and just to tell you yeah. about like what a great referee Jerry Calhoun was.
1: Right. <laughs> well, now that I mean, I, I, I guess I I gotta admit, and I may be ashamed of it, but he may be more of a fan than I am in that respect because <laughs> I don't I don't recall that me just ever sitting around when I had some free time. Uh, I don't really recall much going on YouTube and pulling up old matches and watching that, <laughs> watching that stuff, that sort of stuff. But that, that is exactly what uh, Stone Cold does. He said, and he goes back and watches a lot of the Memphis stuff. And if you, if you ask me, I think a lot of the WWE creative staff, the writers have been going back and watching a lot of the uh, Memphis, Memphis matches. Um, I, I actually saw that they're having matches somewhere now where Roman Reigns and, and, um, uh, and and the King, Baron Corbin, and Dolph Ziggler are having matches where the loser of the match has to eat dog food.
0: Yes, I was going to say that when you mentioned the writers <laughs> watching old territorial stuff.
1: Now, how many years ago did we have Jimmy poor Jimmy Hart eating dog food on Memphis <laughs> TV? <laughs> uh, it
0: it's probably like 37, 38 years ago.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, what goes around comes around. What's old is new, and so that's, that's – uh, I, I do think that you know you can go back and look at some of our our old Memphis stuff and get some great ideas and just kind of you know bring it bring it up to date uh in these days and times with the talent that we have and and some of the stuff that was done back then was just so i don't know it was it was just so good that it's worth seeing again
0: yeah uh absolutely. <clears throat> Uh, I, if I were one of the writers, I would absolutely be watching old Memphis stuff because most of the audience in 2020, watching WWE, a bunch of teenagers, they, they don't know that they're ripping off Memphis. So
1: <laughs> No, certainly not.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, there, there's so much great stuff from, you know, you guys and other different territories to at least borrow from and maybe modify. Well,
1: and, and you know what? I'm I just watching um... – Uh, you know, of course, checking, checking the internet and checking Twitter and seeing the response of the different fans. And, you know, you watch, you you do the show on Monday night and then you wait till the next day and you see, you know, you get the overnight ratings that are coming in and everything. And you see, you know, we're on like Monday Night Raw, for instance, um, you know, we're doing two and a half million people, something like that. And I think back in the day, there was a time somebody even somebody even put out a tweet the other day that said back back during the Monday Night Wars with Raw and WCC or WCW uh, had a Monday night where they had eight million viewers between the two. And like WCW went out of business the next week. It was it was yeah. like crazy, you know that that the times were different, and then somebody responded to that saying, "Well, there's just too much wrestling on TV now," and and the, and when, when then all of a sudden I stopped and think, it's man, there is an awful lot of wrestling, and and I think what what you would find out if you went back and watched the Memphis shows as opposed to the shows now. Um, there was a lot less wrestling on the Memphis shows. You had, you, it was, it was literally more of a, uh, I hate the word when they, you know, I hate it when people call wrestling a, a soap opera, but I mean, you can compare it to a soap opera, but there were more, uh, there were more storylines than there was wrestling. And, and, and everybody, and and I think that now, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's like, the wrestling has become, Oh gosh, it, it was like, I think I told you that Bruce Pritchard and I were sitting and talking about it one day and catering. And, and we were talking about the difference in wrestling today and what it was, you know, back in, back in the Memphis territory days. And, and it is totally different. You know, the matches, it's more, you know, it's more the high flying, the moves, uh, Uh, the crazy looking flips and flops and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, that, that, but what Bruce said, he says, you know what, Kingville? That's, that's what wrestling has become. I mean, that is what wrestling is in, in, in today's world because the young people have in the last few years, that, that's all they've, you know, that's all they've seen. They, they weren't exposed to the, the different style of wrestling back when Stone Cold and, Hulk Hogan and the Rock and guys who were all first starting is totally different game. And so I think that there is an awful lot of that because when you just sit and watch that, it's it's like I mean, when you see that so many of the guys doing the same death-defying moves, after a while that sort of gets old. And that's that's why you have to have the the storylines weaved in there. And I, and I and I think that I, I think they would be better off. Uh, wrestling in general would be better off if the if the storylines were featured more so than the wrestling. It, it, I mean, am I mean, I'm, I'm making sense? Do you see what I mean? No, I mean, no. I I think that you know there there will be a lot of people out there that don't will say, oh no, that's that's crap. Like I mean, just like just like the the wedding of uh you know of Lana and and Lashley and Rusev and so many of the young internet fans were saying oh that's not you know that sucks and they, we don't like this but it drew the biggest ratings the most pe- more people watched that than were watching the just the regular you know flipping and flopping wrestling and so and and that's the way Memphis used to be it what it was just the storylines the the things that were done uh, to enhance the actual wrestling match were were more important and more prominent than the actual wrestling matches. I mean, I've, I remember so many shows, our, our wrestling shows back in the day, we would have, if maybe if we had five matches on the show, four out of the five matches would be what you consider today, what you call squash matches. They weren't competitive matches. They were just they were just matches with, you know, the top guys uh, being put over by the the as as the term. What's the term? The term of them today? The enhancement talent, Uh, you know, you never you never gave away your big matches on TV. The people had to buy a ticket to come come to see them. So you gave them storylines that would that would make the people want to pay and buy a ticket to come to see that. You know, now now the fans are are upset if they don't see the big you know just see the big uh, main event matches every single match on on TV every week. So uh I, I you know that, that's just a, that's just a difference in, in the in the opinion and but I think if guys if some of those guys would go back and watch some of those uh, old Memphis shows you know they might get a they might get a lot of ideas. I mean when when you talk about even when you talk about the greatest things that's happened that you can remember in the history of the WWE since you've been watching, uh, but very, very few of them would actually involve or would be moves in a wrestling match. They would, they would be things like uh, I, I just saw something. Some came across my Twitter feed the other day that I remember when you when you talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, what do you remember about Stone Cold? You don't remember him being. really being his matches. You remember him driving a a monster truck over the rocks limousine.
0: Yeah. Or you remember remember
1: coming out with a, with a beer, uh, you know, the beer truck or, you know, all of those things blowing up the bus. And I mean, uh, you know, that's the, when he came in and hit Mr. McMahon in the hospital with the bedpan, (laughs) that's, you know, none, none of those things are wrestling. You know, they're not, they're not moves or anything in wrestling moves, but they're the, they're the kind of things that, that get people into watching the show and keep them, keep them entertained. I mean, you can only see somebody dump, do a triple gainer off the top rope, uh, and either land on their opponent or miss their opponent. I mean, so many times to where it's just becomes old news. Um, uh, and, and that's why I think that, yeah, the guys could go back and watch some of the some of the old stuff, not, not just Memphis. I mean, uh, the, I'm sure that kind of great stuff was going on in, in all the different territories. That's how they all survived back in the day. I mean, over in Atlanta, um, you know, the Crockett territories and, and, and Bill Watts, you know, down in Mid-South territories, those, those, all those territories were doing things like we were doing in Memphis back in the day. And it was, it was, it was personal issues, and it was the wrestlers themselves and their personalities that that uh, made the people want to come back and, and, and get invested in watching the shows.
0: Yeah, I have the exact same opinion that you do. I think some of it is just because, you know, there's five hours a week between Raw and SmackDown, so they'll just throw out a 10- to 15-minute match just to kill a few segments. But um, there's just too there's too much good wrestling now, which I never thought I would say. But there's just so many good wrestling matches on the nine hours of TV a week between WWE and AEW that it just becomes numbing, and it's just not as exciting. And like you said, you know, are people going to remember the spectacle of the the Rusev wedding? Or are they just going to remember a random match? You know, once we're a few months down the line, everybody's going to remember the wedding.
1: Sure, absolutely right.
0: We'll be back in a moment on The Jerry Lawler
1: Show. All hail the king. It's The Jerry Lawler Show. Anyway, how did we get off on that rant?
0: I don't know. We were just talking about Steve Austin and old school wrestling, and somehow we got off on... on, uh, We're talking about the Memphis style. Because you're right, the Memphis a lot of the times there'd be an expiration of time match that would maybe go like five to seven minutes and everything else was two minutes or less, but it was just so entertaining because of the interviews and Lance and the right. brawls, right. all that stuff.
1: And speaking of that, man, what a transition this gets us into. Beautiful. Speaking Beautiful. of the old school Memphis wrestling, uh, you know, I've, I've had a relationship with the people at Fitzgerald's casino, which is right down here in Tunica, Mississippi, very close to Memphis. We have the, we have the, uh, all of these, all of these great casinos down there. And, and, uh, I've recently, uh, gotten hooked up with the people at Fitzgerald's. I just did, uh, I did a Super Bowl party there last year. And then again, just, uh, last week, we, we were down, uh, meet, did a big meet and greet with all the people that came down to, uh, Tunica and came down to Fitzgerald's to watch the Super Bowl or to bet on the Super Bowl with their sports book there and everything. Um, and so the it our, my relationship has finally uh boiled down to they came to me and they said, "We want to have live wrestling here. we already do professional boxing, we already do professional m m a fights, and they took me in they showed me their um their facility there a beautiful, beautiful room that will be perfect for well is i mean that's that's basically what it was made for they do they of course do concerts there. And then, like I said, professional boxing and the MMA, uh, they showed me this great room. And they said, man, we want to do, we want you to help us put together uh, a wrestling event. So, you know, after doing that for so many years, I, I just, uh, I was never, I don't know. I was never crazy about that side of the business, you know, like promoting, putting together shows, Promoting shows and all that that was kind of always left to Jerry Jarrett on that end I loved wrestling on the shows and I did like, you know, I did like booking shows and that sort of thing. So Anyway, uh, they talked me into we're gonna we're gonna do a live show at Fitzgerald's Casino Saturday April 25th So for that was the first thing we had to do we had to you know, we looked at the place said this will be perfect It'll probably seat 800 to eight or 900 people when it's set up for wrestling, great room, great facility, great casino. So then it came down to putting the show together. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I know, you know, it was, it was so cool to be, meet all the people coming through the, uh, through the casino. And, and when I, when I'm talking to the, casino fans and and you're looking around all of the people that come there and spend their money and, and, and know where Fitzgerald's casino is, you know, it's not, you, you, you don't see, uh, you know, of course not a lot of real young people there. Of course the, the uh, wrestling show will be open to all ages. Everybody can come and everything like that. But what I saw was those fans that came up to me down there, these are people that have been wrestling fans you know, back to the old Lance Russell and Dave Brown days. I mean, they, they, every one of them would ask me about the, you know, different, different wrestlers. And they always asked me about Lance and Dave. And then some of them were going all the way back to, Oh, my favorite wrestler was Tojo Yamamoto or Jackie Fargo or, or, or all these guys. So, um, I, I know that's, you know, that's, that's the audience that we're looking for. So I, um, I started putting together, or trying to put together, a uh, a card or a show for April twenty fifth, and you and I talked about this before. Uh, you know, I started to think, who are the guys that I had the biggest feuds with, or rivalries with, or the guys, or the guys that probably did the most damage to me during the years. Uh, you know, in 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 the matches that I had here in Memphis, and you know the first the first two guys that come to mind, who the guys that you know shaved my head, pulled me into the ring post where I had to have the surgery afterwards, and that's Tommy Rich and Austin Idol. Classic, and, classic, yeah. And then of course there was Eddie and Doug Gilbert who ran over me in the car, in the parking lot. Of course, Eddie's not around anymore. But of course, I've, have you know, had the long running feud with Doug Gilbert. So I'm thinking, is there any way that I could get those three guys? I mean, and of course, there were there are other guys that did a lot of things to me, like Joe Leduc throwing me over the table. Of course, Joe's not with us anymore. Um, there were other guys that I could could think of that, uh, but they just weren't available. So then I started thinking, is there any way to put Tommy Rich, Austin Idol back together and, and Doug Gilbert, those three guys in a match with me and two other partners. And so I started making calls and it didn't, didn't look like it was going to be able to happen. But finally, after a little bit of negotiations, I've got those three names signed to the main event for April 25th at the, at the Fitzgerald's casino.
0: And this is the first time you've been opposite Idle and Rich both in like over 30 years, right?
1: Yes. That's what's amazing. That's why I can't, you know, I can't, I can't believe that after all this time, this is going to finally happen again. So I've, um, you know, I, I've started, I've, I've got, uh, a ton of guys already committed for this show now, but what I'm what I've got to decide, <clears throat> what I've got to decide is who my partners should be to go against Austin Idol, Tommy Rich, and Doug Gilbert. What's the first names that come to mind
0: for you? Uh, Rock and Roll Express.
1: Rock and Roll Express are not available that day.
0: <laughs> uh, Bill Dundee and somebody. Whoever a appropriate third person would be, with somehow getting Dundee in there. Okay. Am I close, or are these just uh,
1: No, I I don't have that book yet.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I
1: don't have a book yet. That's why I want I want I want anybody that's listening out there now to send, uh, you know, to tweet us at Jerry Lawler, or at Lawler Show. Uh, tweet us and and give us your idea of who my two partners. Should be.
0: The Fabs, maybe? Fabs might be good. Okay. Tweet at us. Yeah, tweet at Jerry Lawler. Let us know who you want to see. What's the date on that again?
1: April the 25th, Fitzgerald's Casino, down in Tunica, Mississippi.
0: That sounds like... uh, That's awesome. I mean, for our younger fans who aren't aware, that was a legendary feud you had in the 80s with Austin Idol and Tommy Rich, uh, where they... Cheated big time in a cage match And ended up shaving your head Which I think was the only time that ever happened In your career, right?
1: Right, right
0: So, legendary stuff Make sure to check that out if you're in the area April 25th Uh, You want to do a few question and answer Before we wrap up?
1: Sure, let's do that, man
0: All right. here's a good one How did pulling the strap down originate?
1: Hmm you're right. I saw. I saw that somebody tweeted that too. Is, and uh, I saw that question. And I thought, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can really, I don't know if I can really remember how that started. I don't even remember how I even started wearing the uh, the Tarzan top. You know, with the, with the one strap on it. Yeah. I, I think. I think maybe just to sort of. Uh, sort of be different. I'm not sure. I'm sure I saw somebody uh, back in the day and it, you know what? It may be, it may have gone all the way back now that I think about it. It may have gone all the way back to the guy that um, loaned me his first crown and the Cape that I used when I first came to Memphis. It may, if I think back, it may have gone all the way back to Bobby Shane. Hmm. He may have worn the, the Tarzan top. And then um, I don't know. It was it was probably since the fact that I can't really remember any one thing that made me that I can say, oh, here's here's what made me do it for the first time. It was probably just one of those uh, spur of the moment things that I did once, and it seemed to you know it got a response from the crowd. So I tried it a second time, and it got an even better response, and and so then it it became part of the repertoire, so to speak, that uh, that I used in in the matches. But you're right; that's um, it's become a uh, gosh, it's become a trademark of the king and and every one of his matches. If you don't pull the strap, I, and I, I've had people ask me over the years, uh, you know, why don't you just pull the strap down as soon as the bell rings? <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> Well, uh, that's a good question. I don't know why I don't pull a strap in going. And and you know what? It even goes. I I think I told this story one time. I got sued by a fan, a female fan in Louisville, Kentucky. Went all the way to court with a jury trial. A jury trial, and my lawyer finally got this uh, this young lady on this on the witness stand, and it boiled down to he, he said, "You really." just don't like Mr. Lawler, do you? Personally, you just don't like Mr. Lawler, do you? And she said, no, I don't like him. And he said, why? Can you tell us, what about Mr. Lawler is it that you don't like? And her actual answer was, because when he pulls that strap down, you know the match is about to be (laughs) over.
0: Oh, man, she said this in front of a jury.
1: She said it in front of a jury, and of course they weren't out very long to decide uh, who won that case but uh yeah, but that was that that's probably the my most famous memory of pulling the strap down that it was actually used as a as an answer in a in a court trial in a jury lawsuit uh, one time the girl didn't like the fact that when I pulled the strap down, she knew the match was about to be over.
0: You can get an early uh early start on avoiding traffic. Let strap out
1: heck, I don't know why that would make her mad, but it did, but anyway yeah I, I so I guess it was probably just some sort of an accident that uh, the reason why I started pulling the strap down, but it 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 finally it worked out fine in the long run uh
0: yeah, I mean certainly that's uh very interesting uh one thing that you had tweeted about that just got a ton of response was that video of you and Taz going at it, just hitting each other with haymakers. Uh, so we had people just wanting to know your memories of uh, working with Taz
1: well you know the, the the great thing about working with Taz was um, it started out of course just working with ECW and the fact that when they when they did the ECW invasion there and the, the ECW and WWE started working together uh, and I was doing the commentary and I was the, I was the big Heel on, uh, you know, the heel commentator there with Vince McMahon. And so naturally, uh, I was going to knock everything about the ECW and I did. And, and some of the things that I said just really stuck in people's mind. I mean, you know, the, probably the main thing was when instead of calling it, uh, extreme championship wrestling, I said that ECW stood for extremely crappy wrestling and, you know that just caught on. I mean, that that just for all the ECW fans that really ticked them off. I mean, it really, I mean, for real, it made them mad that I was insulting their their brand that 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 strongly. And for some of the real for some of the ECW wrestlers, it really made them mad for real. And 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 then I said something about I'll never forget. I said about Taz uh, because you know he's had is. Taz is, you know, he's stocky and, and well built and everything, but he's a little, he's short, a little bit short, and so I just said, uh, I said when I saw him, I said, "Wow, Vince, that Taz looks a lot better, looked a lot bigger on the Lucky Charms box," and, and honestly, I heard later that 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 ticked Taz off. You know, and 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 right probably rightfully so. That's one of the things that you don't I mean it was almost sort of um an understood type thing that you didn't really try not to get that personal about things like that. I'll never forget, I'll never forget Jackie Fargo. Uh when I when I first started uh in the business and I started working against Jackie Fargo, he said he pulled me off to the side and he said, Let me tell you something, kid. Don't ever call me fat and don't ever call me old. And he said, uh, and "He said because I am fat and I am old." <laughs> he said, "But how's it going to look when a fat old man beats your ass in the match?" Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that and, and I never forgot that, you know. So you don't, you usually don't try to go after people. You you don't try to go after uh, things that are that are true about people,
0: right? It's like you weren't you weren't allowed to talk about Hulk Hogan's baldness in the eighties, I think.
1: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would never, never talk about that. No, you're right. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and so anyway, when I, when I made that comment about Taz, um, and you know, he was ECW's top guy and everything at the time. So it just, it, it really struck a nerve with him. And there was, there was, um, I think, even though he never said anything to me about it at the time, uh, you know, you know, I, like I said, I think it struck a nerve, and there was there was some, some legitimate heat on his part. But then, and then a lot of people have asked me over the years, "Oh my gosh, did you really hate ECW? Did you really not like him?" And I go, "Are you kidding me? Who's the only, who's the only guy that from the WWE that went over and worked with him? <laughs> I mean, you know, exactly. I'm the only guy, I'm the guy that went and did their worked their pay per views and and try to you know help them draw a house and help them get a bigger uh, viewing audience. I, I, I went over and and worked with them. Um, and, and, you know, I liked, you know, I had no problem with any of those guys, but there, but Taz and I were never close, but we were never, you know, never, I mean, it wasn't uh, that strained of a relationship, but it was just that, that tension was always there. So whenever, then when they did some stuff with us, uh, on the pay-per-view, they did the stuff with, started the stuff with us, um, as was he as, as he was announcing and I was announcing, I think that that tension, that real tension, the fans could the fans could sense it and they knew that there was really something there and it was one of those things where and I think that's the great thing about wrestling. Uh, people like to say, you know, oh yeah, well I know you know this is this is, a, this is uh, predetermined and that sort of thing, but I think those two guys really are mad at each other. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's, that's, that was one of those situations where the fan said, I think Lawler and Taz really don't like each other. And this, this may be the real deal. And, and when we, when we actually, you know, when we had matches and when we fought, it was about, it, it, it I would always think in my mind, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, how hard did he just hit me and is this is this one of the, is this maybe is this a real deal or what is this so anyway that and that's what made it so good and um you know i I think that I wish that they had done more with us um and i i actually i actually uh sent a message to taz just the other day and i because that was the first one of the first things that came to my mind when I talked to the people about the show April 25th at the Tunica. When we talked and made the deal about doing that show, it was right about the time that you were talking about where some, some things were on the Twitter and talking about showing all the different clips of me and Taz. And I thought now there would be a good main event for this April 25th show. So I, I, I went on Twitter and I direct messaged, Taz and I told him about the show and uh, I said man I think it would be good if you and I would would uh, tell everybody we're going to climb back in the ring one more time and and finish this, this long standing feud for once and for all in uh, down in Tunica and he immediately got right back to me and he said man I really appreciate the offer and he said but uh, you know I've just signed this new deal with AEW and he said plus he said man I haven't been in a ring in years, and he said so I'm just going to respectfully decline but thanks thanks for the offer so um anyway that, but yeah that's that's the deal with with taz and i and that was that was how uh you know how almost real those those matches were
0: well I was going to say when you said people believed those it was real those punches i mean they they were very convincing.
1: Well, they were convincing to me as well.
0: (laughs) So that was great stuff. Uh, We should try to get Taz at least on the show. He would probably have some great stories from his end of the feud.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea.
0: All right, so let me give you one last one here. Um, We're seeing so much new talent really introduced on Raw, people like Drew McIntyre, as we've talked about. Uh, Who do you see as the stars who are going to carry this industry forward as we move on?
1: Oh man, that that is a that's a very very good question. Um I I honestly and th- and this I guess this is just me for example and it may go back to the it may go back to like the stories that like I used to tell about how I used to tell Vince, I don't I don't want to go to a production meeting because I don't want to know what's going to happen on the show. I want to watch the show and just react like the fans do. I I feel like that's you know I'll get the, you'll get the best commentary out of me that way and and it's that's part of the that's part of the way I look at the way I look at the talent as well as the as well as the matches I I don't really I get, I guess I'm sort of caught up in the moment I'm thinking how good is this right now I I really don't ever sit and think about um you know what kind of push somebody's getting, or, or how much somebody's being featured, or or how long will they stay around? Uh, because I, I, the business, the I don't know. I'm trying to think back now if I can remember, if I can remember when guys would come along and I could say, and I would say, oh, these guy, this guy's going to be a huge star worldwide. Uh, Jimmy Hart used to tell me that. And I don't, I really don't believe this, but I may have. He used to say that I said at one time uh, that I told him back in the day that Hulk Hogan would never make, never draw a dime in this business. And I may have said that at the time, but, uh, but if, and and if I did, that would show you how much I know about looking into the future, you know, being a, I'm probably a Nostradufus rather than a Nostradamus. when it comes to predicting who is going to be a big star um I, I can you know I can look around and see who's getting a big push at the moment. Um but I I, I can't really say if I that I f I really I mean like you, you look at a guy like Ricochet, getting a big push. He's very, very talented, good looking young kid. But I, I just I would feel stupid if I said, Oh, this is gonna be this guy's gonna be a future superstar like a rock or like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I would say that Drew McIntyre, I think we talked about that. I think that, uh, when I just have to try to sit down and put my finger on guys that are going to be, that I would think would be around for a long time and make an impact on this business, I think Drew McIntyre would be one of them. Um, uh, of course, Randy Orton has, has been and and still is. Uh, and it's awesome that they're bringing, you know, that they're bringing Edge back. Um, I mean, how, you know, how, how big of a how big of a pop did Edge get at the Royal Rumble? It oh, was un- that- it was unbelievable, and being there live in that Minute Maid Park that she, that that was the other thing we didn't get to talk about too much. But the Royal Rumble was I mean it was just like WrestleMania. It was a WrestleMania feel. You know, you had forty five thousand people in this huge stadium there in Houston, Uh and the and the oh man when when Edge came out. It was, it was deafening. The noise was deafening and the response was, uh, was so, so cool. And, and, and it just, it, it, uh, um, it, I don't know, it reinforced my belief in the fact that they move, they move through superstars too fast. And there are a lot of guys that, you know, we talked about a while ago about how at one time there were eight million people watching, watching wrestling on a Monday night. And now you're lucky if you have two and a half million. Um, and I think a lot of those, a lot of those fans that are not watching right now, are fans of, or were fans of guys like Edge, and of course with The Rock, Stone Cold, and those guys. And I just think if you brought some of those, but but here's that's a crazy thing. You know, you got these, you got these internet fans that sit around there and do nothing but pick and. Pick and, and criticize every single thing that happens on the show, and and then then you got the writers that read all this this stuff from your from your critical fans, and they try to go and try to book by it, and they you know they they're the ones that go oh why are you having all these old guys on that that uh uh you know that nobody cares about anymore they're 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 keeping some young talent from being from having their you know having their day in the sunshine well those, those some of that old talent uh are the ones that that might make the difference in that that uh five million five million fans that aren't watching anymore you know the, the, those five million fans were fans of these these guys that aren't on TV anymore and they might come back if on if on occasion you brought some of these people back. Like, you know, like Edge. I mean, you could just see and hear the response. And there's so many guys out there like that, that they could. I think that uh, they could bring a few of those guys back on a a more regular basis and and maybe draw back in some of those five million fans that aren't watching anymore. Um, So so anyway, it's hard for me to say the answer to that question. uh, That's why it's hard for me to say who's going to be a star of the future right now
0: yeah let's make sure we talk a little edge before we wrap up. I mean how cool is that I mean he he was forced into retirement before he was ready he had to forfeit the world title and now nine years later nine years uh he gets to yeah. come back and wrap up his career on his terms this time
1: yeah and I think that is cool and I think that's something that uh everybody can relate to. everybody can get behind everybody wants to wants that that uh underdog happy ending and, 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 you know, there's, there's other, there's other superstars out there like edge that I think they could, that are still in great shape and that they could still bring back. And, and, and I think it would bring back a lot of the, the fans that just aren't watching uh, the, the new stuff that we have there now.
0: There you go. Well, my voice made it. I think
1: it made it. I think we made it. through. Mine was a little rusty. Mine was a little, Scratchy, I had to clear my throat a bunch of times, but we got through it.
0: We did. Is there anything else coming up we need to talk about, or just uh, April twenty
1: fifth? Uh, of course, April twenty fifth. We're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks a lot. And I, like I said, I want you to give me. Uh, oh, and we're going to try to be have
0: Matt Riviera on at some point to talk about you not having your career ended, and winning that yes,
1: title. Right. And I did have a, I did have another match with Matt last week up in Covington. Uh, Covington, Tennessee. Every year we do this fundraiser in Covington for the girls, uh, high school softball team. And we've done it for years and years and years. The whole town turns out it's always a great show. That school really gets behind it. And, um, all the young ladies really go out and sell the tickets. excuse me, sell the tickets. We always have a big crowd. Matt Riviera was on hand. That's who I wrestled. <clears throat> I actually, I goaded him into, um, Putting up a little extra money and we went ahead and made it an Arkansas heavyweight championship match. I had the belt with me there, of course, and, and, uh, it wasn't scheduled to be, but anyway, I gave him a chance to win his championship back there in Covington and he did not prevail. So I'm still, uh, still a champion. That's another one. That's another championship match that I won. Uh, but it was funny thing. He comes out to the crowd. This was, I just want to, uh, tell you this before we go. Um, he comes out in front of this big crowd and of course Matt is from over in Arkansas and he comes out and, and he's got on one of the hospital masks, right? That you see everybody wearing now. And he comes walking out to the, uh, he's got all his wrestling gear and everything. He's got that mask on. He's gone walking out and he says, he gets the microphone. He says, let me explain something to you people. You rednecks here in Tennessee, He said, I know you think I'm probably wearing this mask because of the coronavirus. He said, well, nothing could be further from the truth because there's no virus in the world that could make me sick. You understand? I'm not worried about the coronavirus. I'm wearing this mask because as soon as I cross the line into the state of Tennessee, you people have such ridiculous body odor that it is horrible. And I cannot stand to breathe. You're, the stench that is in this arena right now. So that's why I'm wearing this mask. So anyway, he takes the mask off. We wrestle the match. And afterwards, you know, he has the mask sitting in his corner. And so then after the match is over and he's all mad and he's all frustrated and the people are yelling, Jerry, Jerry. And he turns his back and he's, you know, he says, you people stink. You all stink. And while he's looking out at the crowd, I grab his mask. And I stick it down my tights behind my butt, right? <laughs> and then I take it out and I put it back down on the, on the mat there. And he grabs his mask. He says, you people stink so bad. And he grabs his mask and he puts it back on his face. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he gets this look on his face like, whoa, wait a minute. You people really do stink. He takes the mask off and throws it down and leaves. But anyway, yeah, we'll have Matt Riviera back on because I know he's got, especially after that, he's got some things he wants to say about uh, his Arkansas, or he still thinks it's his Arkansas heavyweight championship.
0: Oh, this poor guy. He's got to start learning to pick his shots a little better.
1: Yes, absolutely right.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. This was fun, and uh, we'll be back next week. Absolutely. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.